Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all night Sunday Central. That is, I. <laughs> Are you starting some kind of? I wrote that down sex for you. trafficking company. I wrote that down for you, Latina Global. Latina I thought you. Global. I thought that could be your next market. It is. Uh, I'm big in the Latina community. I can, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear you? I cannot hear me at all. You always complain about this, and I recorded with Lexi over the weekend, and I asked her, and she said she could hear it just fine. She said you're a big baby. How about now? I. I can hear nothing. Okay, there we go. A little bit. How about now? Okay, yeah, that's good. You good? Yeah, that's good. You I'm good just like that. I'm so used to hearing myself so loud. That's why. Latina Global. Latina Global was LLC. It was. <laughs> is, it a li- is it a limited liability company? Latina Global. You know what? I believe it is. Uh, I'm gonna answer. LG. This year. That's the new LG. LG, TV, beauty pageants. That's where it's we at. Talked we talked more about beauty pageants than you and I ever have, oddly enough. Uh, probably a good thing. I don't want to. I don't know much about beauty pageants other than they kind of freak me out. How so? They're just weird. Man. They're creepy. Yeah, they're creepy. It's like just attract, semi-attractive to really attractive women <laughs> uh, getting dressed up and then doing the talent portion, which they never have. Like they never have talent. They've never needed talent. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, look, uh, let's. It, it, it's like a dog and pony show, and it's weird. And it's yeah. like, look, you're attractive. Just be attractive, and we'll figure out your talents. Then I think that's what happens if you just figure it out. Like, oh, what can I do? I I can take a, a three month master class and playing the violin and do that. Have you ever watched the beauty pageant fails? Have you ever seen the bad ones? I I remember what was it like 2009 where they asked that Miss America or whatever a question about like why people can't point out like Topeka on a map or something like that and okay. she's like oh because kids now don't have maps <laughs> like <laughs> kids don't have maps and they they haven't learned about countries it was about and Kansas <laughs> did you did you ever see the and like such as the what and like such as. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, I think, right? Where she's I like, think she was talking about world peace. And it was uh, let me see if I can let me see if I can pull it up and see exactly I, what she was talking about. I actually watched that clip maybe six or seven months ago. Yeah. And I have no idea how I uh I, I was thinking about it, but I just thought I'd pull it up and I was just like, Oh my gosh, this thing is gold. It's probably one of my top twenty to thirty favorite viral clips. It was fantastic. Around. Because right, it's let's just it's just like okay, it's a beauty pageant, right? Like it's I don't know. They're they're just Ooh. creepy, man. Shout out to Wikipedia. I say this all the time. But this was for oh, this makes me feel bad. Oh, never mind. I thought it was okay. Let me see what this was for. Yeah, this makes me feel bad. I didn't realize that this was for Miss Teen USA back in 2007 so hey, this, why did that why did that woman look like she was 48 this was a 18 year old girl at the time so that makes me feel really bad okay but, but also, we're here now okay but also you decided to do this you yeah. should have probably been prepared probably right <laughs> and i'm pretty <laughs> we, sure we say as, <laughs> as we literally <laughs> just poured a couple drinks to start the podcast <laughs> and while we were walking and i said you have anything you want to talk about today 
34 years old. (laughs) (laughs) But, but they had to have given her like, hey, this is what we're going to ask you for the, for the, I don't know what section is that, the knowledge section, the GPA section of the program. Oh, she just got divorced last year. She's out on the market, folks. I'm not going to give her name because I don't, all you millions of listeners, I don't want to drag her through the embarrassment, but. So here's what happened. I thought I remember it being A.C. Slater that asked her the question, too. Was it Steve Harvey? No, it wasn't Steve Harvey. Fun fact, I think I'm right about this. I could be wrong about it. But do you know the, you know the pageant where Steve Harvey read the name off wrong? Yeah. In Las Vegas? At the same time, a woman in a van. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I, just stop the, the, the story there. I feel like okay. I feel like that's all I need to know. At the same time, a woman in a van. Moving on. At the same time, in that section of Las Vegas, a woman jumped a curb and ran over like seven people. And no one ever talked about it. They're just like, Steve, that's how powerful it is to be pretty. Everybody was like, that, that poor woman. <laughs> she thought she won and she lost. They walk outside, step over four dead bodies as they get to their car. Yeah, yeah but, but none of you were hot. Meanwhile, on the, uh, on the strip, somebody's losing their, their arms, legs. Someone and just ran got over. their neck run over, but they look shitty in a swimsuit. So who cares? Yeah, so yeah, nobody cares. So here we go. This was 2007 Miss Teen USA pageant. Gosh, it was 2007? That's I swore 13 years ago. And I swore it was A.C. Slater. What's his real name? Mario Lopez. Was it Ryan Seacrest? It, w- uh, it might have been. It could have been any of them. It could have been any. It could have been any of them. I don't know. Do you hmm. think that they're real people, Ryan Seacrest and Mario Lopez? Or do you think that it's a robot that gets up and opens a closet with outline bodies of people like Ryan Seacrest, Mario Lopez? Just... Just, just flat, neutral. No, you don't know. You don't know anything about him. You're never gonna gonna know anything about him. Like they live their life like Truman Show. Yeah, like it's like everything's a script. Like I can't imagine them having an organic conversation. Mm. Just because Ryan Seacrest has like a radio show. He has like eight TV shows. The only thing I could see worse than hanging out with Ryan Seacrest while he just is Ryan Seacrest, which is you know you imagine would be a shell of a human being is if he tried to chop it up and be a not shell of a human being and be like, let's, let's talk fellas. Well, it reminds me of uh, do you, there was a 49er against like green Bay game last year where Rob Lowe showed up in the stands. I like Rob Lowe. See, he reminds me of Ryan Seacrest. Like, oh. I feel like there's this kind of, they just look fake. I think it's his face that does yeah, it for Yeah, that you. it's like, oh, there's no way you're that guy. There is no that guy. That guy doesn't exist. But he didn't have – so he was at a, a 49ers game against whatever team, 49ers Bucks or whatever, and he didn't have e- either one of their logos on his hat. He was wearing just a hat with an NFL logo. <laughs> so he wasn't even choosing his side. And it's like, oh, yeah, you obviously don't want to be here. And yeah. they're just paying you to be here. Yeah. Like, I imagine that's what life is like for Mario Lopez, for Ryan Seacrest, for Steve Harvey to a certain extent, where it's just like, yeah, uh-huh. you're just a robot. Like, you can't even show up to a game and cheer for a team. Steve Harvey bummed me out the most because – he used to be a smasher of a comedian, and I'm sure yes, he's good he was. Now, but he decided, look, I know I've got $10 million, but I'd rather have like $90 million and just, I'm just going to steer this, I'm just going to steer this whole truck right into Midwestern white women. 
<laughs> poor, poor example after Bam. the whole Vegas thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's, he's popping up see, twice in this story. See, with death, there's, there's always rebirth. One woman steered a van into a bunch of white women, and it was a tragedy. Steve Harvey steered his tour bus into a bunch of white women, and it was great success. Into the whole Bible Belt. The whole the Bible, whole Bible belt. belt. Back to Miss Teen USA 2007. She's 5'10", by the way, so don't be talking shit. Oh, she's Because you're like 5'10". I'm like 5'11". No, come on, you, come on. Give me some like credit. 5, give me some credit. You have inserts in your shoes. Oh, no, come sure. on. I'm, I'm tall on some days. So she was asked by, I'm pretty sure it was Mario Lopez, we have to solve that because I almost feel like it's Ryan Seacrest. I can pull it. I can pull up the video on mute and, and I'll I'll get down to business. But I mean, if it's sure. Ryan Seacrest, it is Mario Lopez and it is <laughs> Steve Harvey. It is Mario Lopez. God damn it! I knew it. I hit mute. Yeah, it was Mario Lopez. And My, the qu- oh, the question was asked by oh, there was just like a side host. So Mario Lopez is the host. And then there was another host like reading questions while Mario Lopez stood there. It's a shit show. It's a whole goddamn it's shit show. It's a beauty pageant. So here we go. Uh, let's see what the question was. Okay. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? Upton responded. I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some uh, people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, (laughs) I believe that our education, like such as in Africa (laughs) and uh, (laughs) the Iraq... So much better you saying it. Everywhere, everywhere like such as. And I believe that they should. Our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. Uh, or uh, should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be able to build up our future, period, for our children. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you want me to read that quickly? Yes. I personally believe that U.S. Americans. Wait, are- can I ask you the question and then you? you sure. You, okay, so here it is. Last, last, um, last sentence, and the paragraph right here. Yeah, put your fucking spectacles on, old man. There we go. Jesus Christ, you shouldn't be allowed within three hundred feet of Miss Teen USA. <coughs> do I sound like Mario Lopez? You, you look like Mario Lopez, and by that I I'll mean I'll do Mexican. my Ryan Seacrest voice. Recent polls have shown that a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think that is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some uh, people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, I believe that our education, like such as in Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as. And I believe that they should. Our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. um, or uh, should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. So we will be able to build up our future for our children. By the way, and she did she win? I sure hope she won. She won in my book too. She kind of won. won. Yeah, yeah, she won. You know why? Because nobody remembers who won 2007 Miss Teen USA, but they remember (laughs) this woman. Yeah. Um. The most graceful dismount 
I've ever seen in television was Mario Lopez's reaction. Do you okay, so he was so generous. He didn't he didn't laugh at her, he didn't scoff at her, he just went and he didn't make it a big moment, he just went he just kinda went, Okay, thank you. And um How do you react? Perfectly. Do you ever have a moment where you reacted perfectly to a situation that if it that you just happen to nail it? I've got one. What is it? Fucking well, of course you do. Do Go. you? <laughs> do you have one? I actually just have a. I have a comeback. That it was just a joke, and for some reason, like ten years later, I'm su- I, I I'm still really proud of my comeback. Okay. But it's just a joke, though. It was just like a one-off whim that I'm like, oh, that was actually I'm very proud of that, and it's not even that good. But so tell us your story. I take it back. Mario Lopez did laugh a little bit while he was taking the microphone away. Um. So when I was in law school. I got a court. This this story is already going to drown mine. <laughs> when I was in law school, okay, yeah, it might happen at like in a living room during a playoff game. <laughs> well, it may help you to hear what the question was. Right, go for it. <clears throat> so, when I was in law school, they have these things called legal fraternities, which is not what you think of when you think of a college fraternity. What this basically is is a way. The main part that that we at least use it for was to there was a bank of outlines for the classes that you would take, which means someone took notes for that whole semester. If you join the fraternity, you have access to that whole thing, and it's a social events and stuff like that. So of course it is. It's very much like a whatever. <clears throat> so I joined one, and it it only had me and a bunch of friends joined one that had like eight people when we joined. And we were a big class, so like 25 of us joined, so we, like, it, it got bigger. The next year, I, I became the president of the fraternity, and so we wanted to try to grow it a lot. And so we had this little mixer Mr. event. Mr. President of the fraternity, fucking all right. Fucking A, dude. Mr., all right. Yeah, all right. So watch, Humble brag. Watch your mouth. I wasn't always sitting in front of a guy who <laughs> <laughs> humiliating okay. myself. I almost was somebody. I almost was somebody. And Go so on, President. In the classroom, we did a little lunchtime thing. We got a bunch of pizzas and brought in the New Year's class to like everybody. And the room was packed. There was like a there had to be a, a hundred and some people in there. Good, good, good show. There's a good, decent mic, decent mic crowd in there. Okay. Yeah. And so we're doing our little recruiting pitch, <clears throat> and I just wanted to be candid with them. I didn't want to do the whole like this. Thomas Jefferson was a Delta Theta Phi, and, and you know all this bullshit. I just said, look, basically what this is for, I told him what it was really for. And I said, you know, I could tell you how many presidents were in this, but I know it's not really about that. So we just had this whole thing, a good event. It was nice. All the other officers spoke. It was great. I said, do you all have any questions? And a few people had a one-off question here and there. And then this kid raised his hand, this real nice guy, real smart kid. He was like top, like, I think he was number one in his class by far in this class. Yeah. But not exactly as socially adept as some people yeah a little he raises his hand and i always try to not pile on when somebody i try to be delicate in any i don't want to make a prick out of somebody for no reason unless i feel like they deserve it so he raised his hand and in this real like good-natured way he said so like if we join um do like when do we when do we move in and i i said what and he said, yeah, like if we join the fraternity, like do we have to break our current leases? So he thought there was a house? He thought that 
he thought that we were all going to move into the same house. <laughs> he thought he was yeah. <laughs> just joining the real world cast. Yeah, we were the lamest like, real world cast of it, all time. Yeah, like real world Tulsa. One of our members, school. One of our members was like forty-two years old. He thought this was going to be like old school, or li- or like when you're in an undergrad, like when you go to the University of Oklahoma. If you join a fraternity, you like move into the frat yeah, house. Yeah, you're gonna be rushed. He thought that like he thought that like sixty of us were gonna. And did move. he? Would did he not go to? He had to have gone to undergrad school, right? Somewhere. I don't know anything. I didn't know anything about him. All I got this question, and I've got 120 people. Nice. Look, you notice how I increase the number every time? Yeah. I, every time. 180 people. <laughs> uh-huh. So I say to these thousand people. <laughs> And so, but I w- I just happened to be in rhythm as he asked the question. And I said, uh, and I just asked him to rephrase his question because I didn't quite understand it when he asked. And I was like, oh, no, we're just, and I gave this long explanation. And I said, but no, there's going to be, it has no impact on housing or and just kind of passive voiced my way around the whole thing. And it, it wound up not being... It, not making a dick out of this guy and i always was like th- i i'm really glad i'm really glad that i just happened to have my wits about me in the moment because i like on on a on on a fraction of a worse day i could have used it to be a cunt and then and then just been like that to the guy in front of 150 people and but you made him and yourself look good I, well i mean you you didn't make him look bad i kept him from looking yeah, which bad. is the whole thing. Which is good because he's he's probably uh, he's probably in the Illuminati now. He was very smart. Yeah, he's probably he's he's a partner. He's probably at a very major law firm now. Or he's like directing an NSA agent to listen to this podcast to see if I ever talk about him. So <laughs> still trying to figure out his housing situation. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he's a partner at a law firm, and he makes all the associates move in with him. Yeah. <laughs> Now he runs an Airbnb. Yeah. So let's hear about your smart Alec comeback. Oh, I was actually trying to think of it, and I don't recall what what prompted it. I remember it was something, and this is stupid. So I'll have two. I'll have one that's just a stupid joke that I probably am not going to remember fully. Yeah. Um, Jessica Beale and Justin Timberlake. Were you were dating. in a living room with Jessica <laughs> Beale <laughs> and Justin Timberlake and 180 people. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> uh, something came across the news, and it was like. Jessica Biel and Justin Timberlake are dating, and my cousin made a comment that was like, that makes two of us, meaning that are dating (laughs) Jessica Biel, and I said, that are fucking Justin Timberlake, and I was so proud of that, and this this makes my story sound really bad, because yours was about law school. And a part of your achievements in life, and mine was uh, eating pizza with my drunk cousin in the living room watching a Patriots game. Well, and the thing is, it was was you not... Uh, being graceful (laughs) (laughs) not at all not at all um what i will say is uh from time to time i i have to do trainings at work like safety trainings and kind of lead some facilitate some classes yeah and one of the trainings uh we go into the like this whole checklist thing and how i tell a story about how sully the pilot used a checklist during that very famous flight that he had where he landed in New York Harbor yep. and the checklist helped guide his decisions. Yep. And so the whole point of this is for me to say, uh, we have to start using these checklists and it'll help, help guide our decisions in a dynamic scenario. And then 40 minutes later into the training, I'm going over this checklist and I, I, I got to one point of it and I was like, and this is how 
we land our plane in the harbor and not in the city. And I did it on a whim. And I know it doesn't sound that impressive, but in the moment, it just people seems, looked at me like, whoa, like that you, was good. Like, like you were selling. Yeah, and I was like, oh, gee. And Fuck, in the back yeah. of my head, I was like, yeah, Fuck, yeah that's yeah. right. You're like, I wonder when they cast Tom Hanks to play me. <laughs> to play me telling this Sully story. Giving this, giving this presentation. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I was in Barnes and Noble, or as you and the other Hispanics uh, call it, Barnes and Nobles. Barnes and Nobles, yeah. <laughs> yes. You were in Barnes and Nobles. I was and walking then... through Barnes. I was, walking, was also racist. I was walking through you. Barnes E. Nobles <laughs> one day, and I saw the Sully biography, or the, or at least the Sully retail. Do, does he need a whole book? Do you know who's on the cover of the Sully book? Tom Hanks. Yeah. Do you think Sully, do you think Sully walks by and goes, what the fuck, man? He's not even handsome. He's not the guy. I'm the guy. He's not the guy. And it's not like if Brad Pitt played Sully, you'd be like, we'll put Brad on the cover, right? It's Tom Hanks. Who gives a shit what he looks like? Yeah, and Tom Hanks is the most recognizable movie star of probably all time. Yeah. I don't. I, I wouldn't want him playing me in a movie, and I damn sure wouldn't want him on my book. I, I bet. But he could gonna, probably play me in I a movie. I bet we're going to find out one day that he's a dick. No, I got he's my too money. nice, man. No. He's too nice. I got my money on him. He's going to be like Ellen DeGeneres, like getting outed. Not like that. Uh, not like that. I don't think he's. I don't think he's mean and intense. I think Ellen's getting getting nonsense because she's intense. And I, by the way, how ridiculous we can talk about that. Also, the whole Ellen thing. But I have a feeling that Tom Hanks is passive aggressive and and a, and a bit of a phony. Like all those. I have a feeling that those incidents that you're like, Tom Hank was at a ball game and he, he sang Take Me Out to the Ball Game and gave peanuts to everybody. My guess is he's a shrewd guy and he's setting all that shit up and that's not really... Well, because it's hard to be that person all the time. Like, th- do you realize Tom Hanks has to be Tom Hanks all day? Yeah. Like, he, Tom Hanks just drops in my life every now and then. He's just like, hey, do you want to watch Forrest Gump? Hey, do you want to watch Sully? Hey, like hey, everyone's, dude. and I'm always welcoming. I'm always like, hey, it's Tom Hanks. That's awesome. And he's like, hey, but can you-, you imagine being Tom Hanks? Like being Tom Hanks all day, 24 hours a day. That's got to be tough. They should make that a sequel to being John Malkovich. And being Tom Hanks. Being Tom Hanks. <laughs> he could play me in a movie, though. Back to, I'd let him. Back to Jessica Beale and Justin Timberlake. Do you know when they started dating? This goes to show two things. One, how old you are. 2008. 2007, the same year that Miss Teen USA gave the end like such as. It was a big year. <laughs> it was that way. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. The worst of times if you're in the beauty pageant. Yeah. I, it doesn't take away from the fact that I think beauty pageant. I don't know what, uh, what you recorded previously on a podcast and how that went, but I'm here to say that beauty pageants, weird. Weird. Super weird, man. I, I do appreciate that when you were talking about the women in beauty pa- pageants, I feel like you added too really attractive for my sake. I feel too- like I feel like you were just going to punch the semi-attractive until you went, oh, wait, the love of his life used to do pageants. I better throw a really attractive. Oh, she it. used to do beauty pageants? Lexi? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They still ask her to do them. Well, I still think Soft it's weird. Flex. I'm sorry. It, I, is. I can't. it I, is. I still think it's weird. Let me tell you. But it- you know what else is weird? Being asked to do comedy, but you know what? I never get asked to do comedy. I think, so I think that's what we vibe so much uh, on f- semi-professionally is that 
how weird my events are and how alien some of her events are. We've actually talked about that on the podcast before. And by the way, one common thread, do you know what's apparently common to runway, not necessarily pageants, but runway shows? Running the light. Sure. But um, opening acts, I should say. Oh, they have opening acts? Are those like not the women that aren't attractive enough to be in the actual it's beauty us. pageant? We walk it. But no, as, as an opening <laughs> act, funny enough, uh, something that ends up finding its way into a lot of runway shows. Comedy. Magician. Really? Yeah. I went to one of her shows on the coast. And, uh, Humble brag. It had right. a, it, uh, you want to talk about me being pissed off. I showed up and there was a comedy magician opening up for the show now we weren't together long magic al was it magic al <laughs> i've seen four minutes of this guy's <laughs> bit Some guys throwing a parrot all over the room <laughs> i show up and they got this comedy magician opening the show doing the rings and i'm sitting there going what you know i don't mind if you bang this guy but give me some time got some give me five minutes give up me top. five minutes up top i'd rather you bang this guy than have someone you're going to have someone tell jokes to you right in front of my face? Right here. You're going to cuckold me. Yeah, with my own with, with my own love. With my own jokes. With my own love. This de- uh, The camera is definitely not focused on us, by the way. I did a poor job, and you didn't do anything to help me. Nah, so well, I, you realize I have astigmatism. I can't focus, period. Oh, that's right, yeah. So, All right, so we, we that covered a lot of ground. Boy, between JT, 2007, um pageant fails year in review i wonder what the worst if there's a worse pageant fail than that one i mean the steve harvey thing was pretty bad would you ever get to a point in your career where if they started asking you to do pageants so you'd be like yeah sure why not right because we've we've uh we've judged food competitions right like whoa we we say we say we we wouldn't sell out but would we sell out would we 50 bucks. I would. Yeah, it was yeah. 50 bucks. Um <laughs> and fair tickets. Lexi actually asked me to to host and do like some stuff for a runway show and semi kind of pageant that she put on and I I politely declined. I actually uh So she puts on pageants? She's like she, in it. She she was in it. She used to coach models and would have like 12 at a time. Wow. She was She real, must hate my she, posture. She lived in Italy for a year. Jeez. Yeah, she did she did the whole she did the whole deal. But she asked me to do a hosting thing, and I, I said no, and and offered an alternative that I thought would work out, and she agreed, and it wound up being uh, Dan Betts. <laughs> he did it. He hosted oh, he it. hosted it. Yeah, did a fine job. I could see him doing. Yeah, that. did a fine. I job. could see him doing that. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think that I would do pageants because it's just like there's going to be no way to make people laugh our way. And they're not there for that. And it, it would just, if I had to, and I, that's what I told her. I said, if I, if you can't find anybody to do the job, I will do it. But if there's anyone else you can get to do it. Literally any, if you can get Ryan Seacrest to do it. And also or Mario Lopez. The other part that I liked was that I like, when I go to her things, I like to just go to her things and sit in the back and just kind of watch her do her thing. I don't want to make it. It would be. It would be like if she came up to me and was like, "Hey, why don't I come out and just do a couple poses during your show?" It's like I. I like being in the audience, not being a focus at all. I like to. I like to not know anybody. I like to sit away from everybody and just kind of watch how it all. So I have a question. Since you've been to quite a few pageants in your time, drag out the question so I can move the camera. Okay, so. So much in comedy, you can go to a comedy show. So your significant other can go to a comedy show, watch you, 
and understand where maybe you slipped up on a joke or maybe you didn't hit a punchline how you wanted to or maybe how the crowd isn't into it right this is purely hypothetical (laughs) (laughs) but are those those things for are there those elements for like a pageant like can you go to a pageant watch your significant other and be like oh she didn't hit her stride right or this doesn't fit the way it was supposed to or she didn't answer this question the way a pageant winner would or like is there can can. you bomb can you bomb at a pageant like is that a thing i imagine you could she's told me that you certainly can and i i wouldn't be able to watch and know who's for me it's like a bodybuilding competition like i watch a bunch of dudes flex and i'm and i'm like (laughs) i tried to pause to get let, let you get a laugh in on that like i watch dudes flex and i'm like yeah that one looks enormous and then that one looks enormous i can't look and go oh there's there's your second place finisher right there because look at the striations on his back. I can't watch a girl walk a runway or wear a swimsuit or answer a question and be like, ooh, that's far that's- and wide better than the last person who's been coached meticulously for the last seven months to be ready for this. I don't know, but she knows. Like she know- And she said that when you arrive at a show – you pretty much know who's going to win one through three or four. Like, you know, like these two, one of these two is going to win unless something's off. Really? Did she ever get the confidence? Like, this is my show. Like everybody's looking at me like I'm going to win today. She, she, she would arrive to shows and it would kind of be known that it was hers to lose. Nice. She's like the undertaker at Royal Rumble. She's just like the undertaker, (laughs) just like the undertaker. You're like, oh, that dude can, that guy's the guy to win. As a matter of fact, I asked I if I beat. could if I could walk out in front of her and go <laughs> <laughs> with all your hopes and dreams inside of an urn. <laughs> yeah, just shake my dreams at him. I had no idea that the pageants were that intense. I just thought it was pretty woman, pretty women walking around. Pretty woman, pretty horse, woman. horse. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> pretty woman, pretty women strutting their stuff. That's. That's certainly part of it. I have to remember that people love things the way I love comedy, and yeah. I can't judge them for it because I don't like being judged for for my love of the thing I do. Yeah, uh, and I try not to, you know, not to crap on everybody's parade, but uh, just naturally, like as a comic, I want to, <laughs> right? Like I want to just be like, you like that thing? That's stupid. Yeah, it's not what um, I like. But I also don't know the you know the nuances that would lead you to victory like i watched a documentary about show dogs recently and people who are really into like coloring their dogs hair different colors and like how y- long was the how long is the documentary about show dogs it's like an hour and a half oh i'm thinking of oh my god i don't know why but when you said show dogs i started thinking about <laughs> <laughs> snow adult dogs. videos <laughs> Snow dogs. The movie? So I started thinking of like the I did a rod, like a fucking <laughs> no. four hundred mile no. husky race. These are people who are uh really into turning like one like one lady would turn her dog into like a whole scene from Wizard of Oz and they'd have like little characters on them and then like they would dye their hair green and one of them would be Oz and like it was just like really ridiculous but from the outside looking in all of them should be winners to me because i'm like (laughs) oh you turned your dog into the whole movie of jurassic park somehow like that to me is pretty impressive 
but I also kind of want to crap on it because it's super stupid. But these people go into like these dong shows and they're like, oh, sassy's here. And she's going to be the winner. And it's like, and this how is, do you guys even know? Like, this, uh, this all looks semi-impressive. Definitely, definitely crazy, but definitely semi-impressive in your own little crazy world. But it's like, they're, you're all winners to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like they're all losers. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Have you ever seen the movie Best in Show? I haven't, but I heard it's I heard it's pretty amazing. It's It's a parody of this, which is... What makes me wonder how this ever came about? What network is this on? It's an HBO documentary. Hell yeah, I can watch that. And I shit. think it's called. I'll get you the name. Of if it, I can ever figure out how to get HBO Max to work, I'm all over that. Yeah, you get Amazon Prime, then you go in through that way, and then you just do that whole thing. You can do HBO Max through Prime. Yeah. Oh shit. You can get like an HBO channel through Prime. I don't. It's you know I'm not super tech person, but you, you actually know. are now though. Yeah, I'm learning a lot. You know how to do editing software? Yeah, I know how to do editing software. I know how to do Illustrator. I'm actually trying to learn how to how to do like a multi-screen live stream. So like multiple cameras on a live stream. Learning to do that right now. We just could, little by little doing things. That would things. be great. We could get on Twitch or something. I don't know. And it all stemmed from the fact that I got so tired of sitting down with people who I would have to who would have to make my thing right because i couldn't make it myself and i got so tired of being downstream from the actual creative process that now it's turned in i didn't realize how much technical process is upstream yeah like especially for our level of comic our level of creator where it's like oh no i you can't have a team of people make your thing because a nobody wants to do it for one uh, because you're just a low-level comedian. Yeah. But two, it's really hard. And so much work is in the technical aspects of things versus just being the idea person. And I didn't want to be the idea person where it's just like, hey, I have this idea. And I actually see people... Oh. Uh, I actually almost wrote a, po- a post about this on Facebook where in the last month, I've seen three comics post on Facebook... Hey, does anybody know anybody who knows how to make apps? And it's like, you know what? You have an idea. And you know what's tough? Making an app. Why don't you learn how to make an app? Because nobody wants to be nobody wants to be approached by the guy who has an idea for an app right. and you have to be the app maker. Like, so it's kind of that. It's kind of like don't be the idea guy. That's be the guy who actually knows how to do the stuff. That's the thing. And you're t- and you're talking about a very important thing there too and, and that is that comes along with if you're looking for something, you personally, and you're not finding satisfaction as to how to get it created, you are an artist at heart. You will find a way to make it. As soon as someone finds out that you've taken the task to learn how to make it, you get the phone call of, hey, why don't we work together on a thing that I've been wanting to do? <laughs> why don't we collab? Yeah. Why don't we collab? And Wh- it's like, no, you know why? Because there's no collaboration in me doing all the work and you doing nothing. There's How about that? such why? a barrier to entry for things like that. Like even even something as simple as the little sketch things I've been doing that I'm, I've quit 30 times because they're not, but they're get, hilarious. they're not getting the views that I want. Thank you appreciate that uh, your opinion is one of the only things keeping me because if you I've, I've said that about you a lot of times is you saying something like that makes me go fuck them he knows i'll keep because going. it's funny right and it's like it doesn't matter to me right 
And I think that's one of the beauties about being a unknown comic. And don't get me wrong, it's a thorn to everybody's side. It's a thorn on to your side, to mine, where it's like you make stuff, you're proud of it, nobody cares, yep. right? But that there's so much content just below the surface of what people see, which is like, okay, so this isn't a funny or die thing, but it's super hilarious. Yeah. And I wish more people got to see this or knew that stuff like this was out there. Mm -hmm. But since it didn't show up on their feed via uh, the fat Jew or something, that's right. That it's like, oh, well, that they're the funny thing. And it's like, no, <laughs> you know who's funny? The people who actually make this stuff. <laughs> which, by the way, is the name. For anybody who's not in the know, that's the name of a content aggregator account like fuck there's fuck Jerry, there's men's humor, and there's the fat Jew. He's not saying like George Costanza's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just calling somebody a fat Jew. It's an actual Twitter is it a Twitter or like an Instagram or something like that? Yeah. And by that I mean Rob Reiner, am I right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's stuff like that, just knowing that somebody can make something that can make me laugh that inspires me to try to make something that's going to make other people laugh and put the work into it and actually care about the thing that I'm trying to build or make. Yeah. And as long as a few people think it's funny, because I mean, I'll be honest and it's, I think the stuff I make is funny. I Otherwise I wouldn't make it yes. right. Otherwise I wouldn't make it. And just knowing, I don't know, it's tough because you, you make it, you let it live out there, and it doesn't get the traction you want. And now we're judging by views instead of content. And yes. it's like, you know what? The, the stuff you make is funny, and ultimately the it's gonna people will find it, right? It may not be like instant, but it, that's the tough part because yeah. it's like you want people to find it immediately, but it just doesn't – I don't want to say it doesn't happen that way. It hasn't happened that way for me <laughs> so or times. for you, yeah. right? And then you see something stupid get picked up and it's like, oh, okay, that. That's that's of what they course. want. Is that what they want? Is that what people want to see? And what it's they like, what they want, I think, is to be told what's good. So they want someone like funny or die. By the way, did you just see you know who that Sarah Cooper is, right? You don't know who anybody is. No, I don't know right. who anybody I don't well, know who uh who Biden is. In that case <laughs> <laughs> In that case, I'll 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 speak to that first before I go to the whole Sarah Cooper wormhole thing. But you're right. And not only that, but there's such if people ever do catch on to it because you've taken the steps to learn the technical aspects that, you know, there's such a barrier to entry. The benefit of learning something very difficult is it can't be duplicated. So for you, even some of the videos you put together for this podcast or another podcast is People can't copy. Like if you if you pick your lane as something really simple, I'm just gonna do. All right, I got tweets, I got memes. I'm gonna take a picture that already exists, put a couple words on it, and fire it out. You're a copy paste away from anybody stealing it. Any and it really sucks if people do that, but people can do that. And they do do that. Yeah. And they do do that. You make a tweet. It could be it could be great. Somebody could copy paste and whatever. You make that video. There's even if you wanted to take my idea and steal it, there's such a barrier to entry to learn Adobe Premiere Pro or in my case, Final Cut Pro to learn how to put all that stuff. To, even when you learn how to do it, it's going to take extra steps to learn the in intricacies of the tool. Then if you just happen to do that, you're going to have to be able to write and edit creatively enough because editing is basically writing after the fact yes it's punching it is up your it stuff. definitely is and so for me 
when I started doing these videos, like, yeah, at most, at most 20 some thousand are going to see it at most. And that's a lot to me. feels like a lot. But the other good part is if this thing ever takes off, like I, I know everyone who can do what, what I've been doing. Like I know everyone who is doing it. They all do it way more successful or to way more views, I should say, way more successfully. But like the only people that could steal my ideas never would, even from a technical aspect, I I know everybody who does it. I've worked with um, just about everybody who's in that lane. There there aren't many people who are doing it or can put it all together that way. And if you're if you're willing to learn the technical aspect of things, chances are you're not going to be a person who steals anyways. Because it's not your thing. Exactly. Because you, you're in the business of making stuff and creating things. And that just isn't, that just doesn't jive with people who steal content and people who, it's just, it, but I also think, uh, I've given this a lot of thought recently, is I I am a victim of trying to make everything perfect. And I mm-hmm. think we've talked about this, where it's like, I will not release something if I don't, if I don't think it's perfect. And for me, I get lost in, in the creating and not the releasing yeah. where it's just like, I'm really proud of this, but now I don't want to put it out. And I was recently thinking about, I was actually watching an old uh, SNL episode and the quality is garbage. Right. And I don't mean the content. The content is great. Okay. The quality is garbage. The camera, like our iPhone has better camera than, than what they had on SNL during the early days. Right. Right. If I can produce, if I believe I can produce, the kind of content to the, the I don't want to say I'm an SNL writer. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean, if I can produce something that I feel is funny, I shouldn't really let the technical qual- being, ge- ge- being caught up in the, in the technical stuff l- stop me from releasing it. Right. right. Because it's like, no, people thought this was funny. And of course that was probably modern at the time, but right. it's like, but I'm still going back and watching it. Right. I'm watching that quality right now. So it's like, why don't I just put something together, make it, put it out there, see what happens. It's just so scary. Here's where it hurts to be in a small pond and be someone who's of influence and looked upon a certain way in a small pond as part of that. Like part of that is a mindset you get of like a certain pressure of, you know, like in the stand up community here, you know, everybody in the town and you know, everybody who really knows better who's going to be judging your stuff and you know because you're you're very funny that they expect a certain level of quality from you and if and very much prisoners of the moment if you don't do it they immediately start cutting the legs out from under you oh you suck and it's not that funny and the world you know the internet is nothing like that but there's something about, and you know, anybody's looking for a reason, an excuse to roll their eyes and go, "Oh, look what he's doing now." Well, yeah, because it's the it's the um, it's proximity, yeah. right? If I if I put something on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, like it's gonna make just by proximity, it's gonna make a, a a splash first with those around me. That's right, and then hopefully it ripples out. But sometimes you're so afraid of that first splash of like. Yeah. Oh, we're going to think this sucks. And it's like, but maybe that's just, we shouldn't be thinking about that because it's like, well, you know what? We're both kind of, we both suck. Like, is, yeah, <laughs> we right. all suck. So it's it like, is hard though, you know, but it's tough because it is in it. And then there's also the fact that you're 
33, 34 years old making videos on YouTube, yeah. right? When it's like, mm -hmm. oh, but you have this whole career as well. So it's like you kind of have to fight against that. And yep. then eventually somebody, if you're lucky, your coworkers find it, right? Because that's mm -hmm. ultimately what you want. You want people to find it. Right. So it's also, how's this going to make me look in every aspect of my life? If I think it's funny and it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't pick up traction, I look silly. Right. Even if it's funny. Now, if it's funny and it gets picked up and it's on Twitter and people are retweeting it and it ends up on extra or like whatever, yeah. right? It's like, oh, man, you're brilliant. It's like, no, it's the same stuff I've been making. Same shit. It's the same stuff. And they never like the stuff. They, they never find the stuff that's really good. He, that's the part that sucks is they always find some bullshit and you're like, oh, you don't even you don't even want their praise at that point. You're like, you don't even you don't get it. People are the worst is what it comes people down to. People suck. People people suck it brings me to the uh sarah cooper thing so so who's sarah cooper i don't think i know this you must is, have heard about her is. she's the woman on twitter who became famous because she was doing tiktok lip syncs of donald trump speeches no okay no i don't know who that is okay so she started <laughs> she started taking clips just like but of course why why wouldn't she blow up over 30 or, and, and they're funny like 30 or 60 second clips of donald trump making a speech and she'll lip sync it and kind of like do little like weird things well and it is like the first couple that i watch i'm like oh this is really funny um it's been like four months now of just straight like just straight these videos coming out like every and she's got three million twitter followers now and like Oh, Patton Oswald, like ev like everybody's like you are the queen, this and that. And again, she's funny, she does a great job. But it is like, it is just this, right? So today, I just happened to check her Twitter, and I saw that she guest hosted Jimmy Kimmel Live. No, mm -hmm. she went from her living room, yeah, to guest hosting Jimmy Kimmel Live. Guest hosted Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel Live, and it was I I watched a few minutes of the opening set. And it, it's what did she do before the videos? Was she a comic? What I was think she? She was, she was she just did, a person. I think just she did like sketch stuff and maybe some stand up. And I, I don't know. But I watched this thing and not to be a hater, but like I watched it and I went, oh, there like there it is. It's it's that's it, that's it's what I like about stand up is it, it is the great. It's the truth. Right. Well, if you think you're funny, do stand up. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Saw another post from her on Twitter. It's true. I just landed my first Netflix comedy, comedy special. special. Yeah. Yeah. Now, great for her, right? Think about how many comedians you know of that are unbelievable, like comics, comics. She just found that one thing. And she knew how to stay in it, stay in the lane, stay in the pocket. And she, and she parlayed. So she had the perfect gimmick. Um, talk shit about Donald Trump on the perfect platform, Twitter, which is only for the craziest of Alex Jones conservatives anymore or the MSNBC um, wokest of liberals. So she she started. So she perfect gimmick, perfect lane and just and played it like a fiddle perfectly and she went from not being known 
to now millions of followers, and she's got, got a Netflix. Special. She's got a Netflix special, dude. You, you know what? Probably the most frustrating part of that, all of that, is it, it isn't the fact that she's found success doing her little niche thing, right? It's not even that. It's not even the Jimmy Kimmel thing. It's not that. To me, the frustrating part is that influences stand-up comedy, where I see really great stand-up comics on our level try to find a niche yep. and become the uh, whatever guy or the whatever girl. Right. And it's like, you're so much better than that. Like Your stand-up is so much better than that. But you know, and I know, that this is the path to success. Yeah. At least your sh- to take a shot. Because guess what? Nobody wants to hear just stand up anymore. Yeah. It's like you got to be that guy that does the Donald Trump stuff or does the the voiceovers for whatever and it's like right. you have to have your dumb little vi- your viral back thing. thing, right? And it's like it's frustrating cuz it's like oh yeah, you used to be one of my favorite comics and you and you still are probably, but you just stopped to tr- because you've given a huge chunk of your life to this thing that you love and you realize that you want to try to make it in yep. that the great comedy that you've been making isn't enough. Right. And what is enough is a stupid, silly making Donald Trump videos doing. And it's just like, I can even get with just making funny videos and content, right? Like yeah. you make videos, you make content, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not like a, it, it's not a TikTok video. It's not a thing, like a 20-second thing. It's actually well-written and really well thought out. It's not just overlaying Donald Trump's voice to you dancing. And and from a marketing standpoint, that's my problem, is that's my problem, is what I should do is as soon as I did the mask video and that kind of went just became a powder keg for people to argue on and a bunch of people watched because of it um i should have leaned into that and pretended i was pretended i was a douchebag jersey shore meathead and just been that guy for three or four months and and then got something out of it from a marketing standpoint that's absolutely what you should do but i just i don't it'll eat your soul i don't have it in me yeah i i just I, and for me, uh, I love making stuff, and it's great. Uh, but ultimately, my love is stand-up. Like, I mean, and it's easier to find those outlets and do that technical stuff during this time of quarantine. Sure. But it's also like, I, I like doing stand-up. I like writing stand-up. I like telling stories. I like telling funny stories. I like connecting with people in the same small room. Right. I don't, I don't, as great as going viral on something would be, um, and not that I've gone viral, so I don't know the, the, you know, the adrenaline rush of that, but it, I, it can't be anything like just killing a crowd, right? Right? Like, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like absolutely killing, right? And I don't care how many retweets something gets, like nothing is like yeah. he's like killing on stage. And that's it. Like, I would rather I don't want to go viral. Give me ten thousand people that love my shit. I'm golden. Even if I never got to do it for a living, like to be able to quit my day job, give me 10,000 people that love my shit that 12 times a year, once a month, give me 10,000 people that love my shit that once a month I can go to a different city and, and perform for a room of a hundred people 
or 150 people and just do my shit for an hour and a half and just get some meaning out of your just life give, and just give and just give them everything i've got in me and they're all like fuck yeah man that was awesome fuck that's what i came for <sighs> Ten thousand. i don't want you're making I, me miss comedy i don't need a million people i don't need two million people i don't need i don't need a hundred thousand people give me ten thousand so that i go you know what i'm i'm coming to i'm coming to boise idaho tonight and 150 people go fuck yeah i'm going that'd be nice that's all that's it you probably need more than 10,000 people for 150 in show boise, in boise. boise yeah, I, I think so too unless but I, I market I get you. very specifically but there was boise. definitely 10,000 people at your i think this happens to you at work all the time and it just happened to me with a coworker for the first time that someone said you should look to go on america's got talent you should look i do to i hear that quite a not i don't hear that quite a bit but i mean there's this that's the the thing I've heard the most, mm-hmm. and it's it's just like an, to me, I don't know. I've never watched a show. I don't know if Ryan Seacrest or well, Mario Lopez or <laughs> Steve Harvey host it. But comedy is such a unique thing, and that you you don't have to do it for too long if you know like if you know what you're doing and do it pretty well. You get to know just about everything and everyone behind the curtain pretty quickly. So this coworker is up in Canada. He's like, yeah, you should try to do America's Got Talent. I was watching and there was this one comedian. I said, it was Alex Hooper. He said, I'm sorry. I, I said, was it, was it Alex Hooper? Was the guy like he was doing roasty mean stuff to Simon and all that. He's like, yeah, but I don't think that was his name. I said, well, look it up. Let me see. I said, did he wear like a raccoon's tail and it were like alien ears mm-hmm. or some shit like that? And he's, and he said, oh yeah, it was that guy. I was like, yeah, done shows with him. He's like, well, why don't you see what he tried to do to get on? I'm like, well, it, it's, it's the roast jokes and the raccoon tail that got him on. I, what can I tell you? What can I do? What I if I told you that we're just as funny? If we're definitely funnier, <laughs> uh, but but you won't show up to anything, right? Or yeah. you know, it's just tough because it's like it's tough to be your own machine. Yes, it's tough to be the marketing department, to be the public affairs department, to be the flyer guy, yes. to be also the comic, to be the showrunner, to be all these different things all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and on top of that, you got a job. Oh, yeah, and on top of that, you got a family and a mortgage and all these other things, and it's like... Speaking of that, Joey with oh. a new mortgage, baby. Yeah, I got a studio. It's nice. It's beautiful. Thank and we've you. already launched a new podcast out of it that we've got a logo for. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. Losers bracket. Losers bracket, baby. It's gonna be sports coming soon. Sports only. Come in to this a, weekend. To a feed near you. Come in you, this weekend. You, you, you. I was even thinking of how to like how to further it along even is, is because you're gonna be recording and I feel badly about that that you have to record and mix and all that. So I'm gonna hey, bring they literally hit record. I'm gonna bring over this phone and I'm gonna film, right? And I'm gonna take I'm gonna take clips out of that and I'll send those to you if you want. If you want to throw graphics on it, you can. Yeah, let's if, do some graphic stuff. Not, if because I know you're good at it. But well, if, I mean, like the sports stuff lends itself well yeah. to to graphics, to the video stuff. But I know it takes time too. So if you don't have the time, I'll let's, just put it up the way it is. And hey, I'll, I built a studio built so a I could so I could do stuff. Good shit. Right, like so that's I'll, the whole point. Yeah. So we're check gonna, it out. I feel like that's the one that we've spent five years talking about. Figure <laughs> talking about. We spent five years figuring all this stuff out. I feel like that podcast is going to be the one that we actually put it all together for and actually stay on top of our shit for and put together a good product of like, 
we're giving you a chance to be into this. And it's going to have, I mean, and I, we haven't talked about this officially, so all news on the podcast, but it's, it's just like, there's going to be video stuff. Mm-hmm. There, there's going to be clips. There's going to be, of course, the actual podcast. Pornos. Uh, there's going to be uh, pageants. Yep. <laughs> there's going to be Steve Harvey. Sex dolls. There's going to be a lot of good stuff on that We're podcast. We're going to run over I'm a excited. lot of white women. And it's going to be for sports, so it may not be for everybody. But if you don't like sports, it's still going to be funny. And it's, it's gonna still going to be awesome. It's going to be sports that we like. Yeah, so it's only two sports. <laughs> so don't come for us for hockey because we don't watch that. Yeah. I don't watch it. But uh, maybe some pro wrestling, maybe some uh, definitely some NBA, definitely some NFL, maybe some college stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be covering the uh, the nickel state. We're going to be <laughs> it's going to be great. See <laughs> obscure they, sports. See if they cover the spread. Yeah. See if they cover the spread. We maybe should challenge stuff. We should challenge ourselves to do an episode each like a portion each week of a sport that we typically don't take interest in and see if we can cricket get better at it and learn it like baseball for me <laughs> or cricket yeah absolutely i love baseball man baseball's good do you love baseball can we adopt can we adopt some like third tier colleges or as our team absolutely jacksonville state or something yeah yeah, yeah let's do it i'll Get tell you ja- jackson if you're at jacksonville hey, i don't even know if that's a college you actually. take jacksonville state it is a college I'm going to take, I believe I'm going to take the New Mexico State Aggies because I had a college football game on my computer when I was 11. And for some reason, I always chose the New Mexico State they had a Aggies cool logo. and took them to a college football championship. All I went time. to a lot of New Mexico State Aggie games. Really? Yeah, they were in the same conference as uh, Fresno State. Well, they came to us oh. every year. So we I watched them play quite a few times. I see. So, you know, you know, just not to brag. I went to... Uh, I went to a lot of, not a lot of, but of all the games that I went to growing up, I went to like three Phillies games as a kid. And every time I went, like my mom took me once, my godmother took me once, someone else took me once. And I remember being a kid and being like, God, I got weird luck. How come every time I go, they're playing the Padres? Because <laughs> nobody wants to see the Padres. They're like $3 games, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I man. remember going like, Jesus, they're always playing the Padres. <laughs> I had no idea they play San Diego this much. So this is uh, this is this is the best way I can define the success I've had in life mm-hmm. is I once got to sit in the front row at a Dodger game. OK. When they played the Rockies. <laughs> like it's, the Rockies were the worst team in the MLB. So it's like I can sit in the front row, yeah. but it's going to be against the worst team the in Major abs- League Baseball. The, the- cheapest the possible most expensive cheap ticket I can possibly find. And That's actually, right. I take that back. It was actually a gift, so I didn't buy it. Uh, but I got a gift that was Major League Baseball behind dugout against the Rockies. Thanks. Baby. Yeah, against the, the Rockies. The least. You, the least. Yeah. The least. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, speaking of your comedy, you said you have some premises. Premises. Yeah, I was trying to find my notes. I don't have my phone with me. I only have one that I I can remember and maybe some things I talked about in this week's other podcast. By the way, NBA playoff seedings are looking great and we should be prepared to talk about it by the weekend because the season, the playoffs begin August 17th. My birthday. So they must lock up here soon. I think tomorrow's the last day. So we'll get. So what do you want to do? Here's here's a question for you. Do you want to do um do you want to 
pick a matchup and talk about each team, or do you want to do the play-in game in the Western Conference? Those two teams. Oh, I want to do both. Who's okay, in the plans? I know the I know the the Pelicans are not in the play-in game. They are not the Portland Trailblazers and the Memphis Grizzlies. I love both those teams. Me too. The Portland Trailblazers are my adopted well, team. So well, here's what I am. I'm a small we'll market guy. Okay. Um, so we can do that. And by the way, here's let's come up with a theme. We'll come up with a theme that so we've got that we've got Blazers, Grizzlies, and then and then we can go theme of how, whatever you'd like. Yeah, we'll pick a we'll pick a funny theme. Okay. Sounds good. So did you find a premise you want to talk about because yeah you, so i'll share one because for some reason my notes and I, then, I, it, my my iphone turned all my photos into all my notes into individual pages oh okay which is like ridiculous but can i tell you one of my raps <laughs> yeah uh so I, a local group made a rap and i and i made a i made a uh rebuttal rap you did that I never released. Of course, <laughs> I, I spent uh, spent like, hours making this. Like two, you actually you didn't spend that many hours because from the time you sent me the clip of the actual video until the time you sent me the response was only like two hours. So it means you spent not even ninety minutes, like recording, writing, editing, all y- that stuff. Yeah, and so uh, here's my favorite line. Because uh, one of the guys in the video is wearing a Kobe jersey. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, two of you wearing 24's jerseys, the worst thing to ever happen to Kobe. <laughs> Thank you. Sad. Thank you. A really low-hanging fruit. Thank you very much. And you're a big Kobe fan, right? I am. I'm, I'm, I, hate the, I hate the Lakers. Absolutely hate the Lakers, but mm-hmm. I've always been a Kobe fan. I've Just like the whole, I don't want to say Mamba mentality because that sounds weird. Mm-hmm. But just the, the the killer that the guy was, the guy was just a stone-cold killer, and I enjoyed watching that. Like, I hated the Lakers, and I probably just hate Laker fans more than I like yep. than I dislike the Lakers. Uh, but Kobe has always been a fan of mine, because it's, I mean, I've always been a fan of Kobe, sorry, mm-hmm. he and, and he of me. Um, but yes, he's just a killer, man. Like, that kind of, like, you're, you're with me or against me kind of attitude I appreciate Agreed. In, in a sports star. I always was a huge Kobe fan to the point where I didn't, like, I was no kobe jokes out of me for sure but i will say um he passed away in january right it feels like nine years ago at this point the the year that we've had in march he passed away in january i was not into the joke stuff but in march mid-march i was at a show and it was one of those times where and thank god i'm friends with comedians because you have to be yep I was at one of those times where I came to a fork in the road and I had to like I had to decide now I didn't do it on stage but I had to decide am I a comedian like am I going to take the comedian route on this road or am I going to take the route of decency because <laughs> I was hosting this night and someone on stage said something that I was like I have to tell somebody this like this is a joke in my head that I hate, but but you got to get. We're it out. not wine drinkers; we're wine tasters. Yeah, I've got to share the ingredients with someone. Comic is on stage and he's talking about something about Kobe Bryant, and he says, and he's like talking about people, whatever, not desecrating his name, but trying to sell merch or whatever. 
And he goes, Jesus Christ. I mean, the guy's not even in the ground yet. And you're da, 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 da. And I'm and comedian thought in my brain. And I, I just look for a comedian and I grab him and I go, I go, hey, I don't want to say this you so say badly, but he just said he's not even in the ground yet. And I went, that's what I was thinking. He was kind of in he's the ground guy, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of in the ground immediately. Poor choice of words. Yeah. And then we giggled like school children. But then the, here's the best part about hanging out with comedians. He knew I didn't mean it. He knew I just had to get it out for someone else. We enjoyed it, and then we sealed it up in a vault and buried it. And until we talked about it now, it's never come out. Like, never I didn't, up. I didn't go on stage and say it out of respect. He didn't go on stage and say it out of respect for me. We just put it in a nice little vault and just and just away from just put it away. normal people. Yeah, You just got to get it out sometimes. Some, you but just got to get it out. It's like, yeah, it's exactly right. Like this, a comedian... This is a it's the it's the funniest thing to say and you can't say it, but someone needs to know this who is in our world. Yeah, so I got to say I just got to say it to somebody. Yeah. Sorry. Did you say your premise? No. So my premise, uh, I've been doing a lot of moving lately and with moving comes a lot of manly stuff. Right. You got to move stuff. You got to drive U-Hauls. Yeah. You got to put furniture together. You got to do all this stuff. Right. Or. You pay a company. or you pay somebody, but or, I'm cheap. Or you pay a company five hundred and fifty dollars, and you're done in three hours. But I'm I'm cheap, and uh, how much did you has the U-Haul cost you? The U-Haul cost me sixty bucks one time. One time, okay. And it was it was actually a three hour move, so it wasn't bad. Okay. So three U-Haul three hours. It's not the getting the stuff into the house that's the problem. It's the putting stuff away. It's the organizing your life again yeah. when you have two kids. And I couldn't believe how much crap we had. Yeah. Like, it was just like, and at one point, like, um, Maritza picked up a pink ball, like okay. a softball that we had in the living room and of our apartment and, like, looks at me dead in my eyes and <laughs> says, uh, do, you, do you think we're going to need this? And I was like, the fact that you're asking that is why we have so much crap. <laughs> like when are we gonna need a pink softball like but you can't let it go mm-hmm. like when at what point in our life are we gonna be like ah oh, shit i really regret throwing out that pink softball that was wasting space in our home right it's just, it's just things like that like i'm very minimalist like i can my house can burn down today and i'd be fine yep just give me the photos like the the, the things that have like sentimental value, the like kids' your photos, li- like your Larry things. Johnson photo, <laughs> <laughs> your Alonzo Morning photo that you the print- whole the whole house except the studio can burn down yeah. and I'd be fine. That you printed out and yourself, I'd be perfectly fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. I pr- I'm you, cheap. Yeah, I'm yeah. cheap. That's the why. Kevin Johnson jersey you printed, you 3D printed. In the- <laughs> uh, so I've been doing a lot of uh, having to do some mainly stuff, and I'm just not good at it. Right? Yep. It's actually where this premise came from. Is I uh, I borrowed a, of course, and I had to be that guy because I don't own a truck. So I had to be like, hey, can I borrow your truck? And I borrowed my cousin's truck, which yeah. is a Dodge Ram. Okay. And I uh, pulled up to Costco because I bought a, a piece of furniture or something. Right. And uh, the guy next to me, I could tell he looked at the truck I was in. He was like, oh, one of those guys. Oh. Like he's like a Ford guy, like very proud $80,000 Ford. Right. But Douche. he looks at the, at the Dodge Ram that I'm in. Yeah. And, but I'm not even that guy. Like I'm not, I don't care what I'm driving. I'm right. not, I'm not, 
look at what I'm driving guy. I know this. Um, <laughs> but when I, it, that's essentially where this premise came from is the fact that I don't know how to do man stuff and I'm not that guy. I'm not, I'm not care what I drive guy. Um, so it was like, I, I started the premise off or the, the joke and still not written obviously. Uh, but somebody asking me like, "Oh, you're you're a Ram guy? Oh, okay, uh, okay, you're a Ram guy. You're you're one. Oh, of those. did you do you know the horsepower and like all this and kind of go into the technical aspects of a car? And I actually have to look that stuff up in order to make the joke work, so it makes sense to people who are Ram people or truck people. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that so many times in my life I've been belittled because I don't know anything about cars. Yeah. Right. Where it's like. Oh, how much horsepower and like, oh, how much cylinders and how much, right? Like, and I don't know any of that, but here's the thing. Who cares? I, I'm an Excel guy, right? Like, I know formulas, yeah, right? Do you want me to yeah. shit on you for that? Like, fuck yeah. Like, do you know, uh, do you know if and functions? Guess who do you can... know count functions? Do you know how to do any of those things? No, that I'm that guy. Guess how about who... you don't belittle me for not knowing shit about cars? Because I'm going to belittle, well, I'm not going to belittle anybody for not knowing anything about Excel. Yeah, you are. But it's just. Look, our skill sets are different. You're into different stuff that I'm into. And so the whole thought is that I'm going to take this uh, this diatribe of like, what about this? What about this? Did you check your transmission? And I need to look that stuff up. Yeah. But I'm going to make something equally as complex sounding for Excel. Yeah. And be like, I'm actually an Excel guy. I'm really into, and I'm going to try to match it like... Uh, what kind of formula do you use in your car? Or what kind of oil formula or whatever? And I'd be like, well, what kind of formula do you use for your <laughs> for your P&Ls, right? Oh, you guys are mechanics? Let's see one of you boys design a Ram logo, huh? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to stop this real quick just to be sure in case it dies, we don't lose the whole thing. I'm going to stop it and start Go it. Go for it. Again. Boom. And so, we're back. So that's a, that's the premise I'm working on is – I and it's – I think it's more about being comfortable and because to me, comedy should always speak to who you are. Right. And it's the fact that I'm comfortable with, I'm not that guy. Right. Like I'm not going to be, I, and I'm done pretending to be that guy. Like I'm not, you know, know how much horsepower my car has guys guy. I'm, I'm more, you know, technical guy. I've, I've got a line similar, like a line that I've, can get to work just not exactly the way I want to and to get my words perfect I don't know how to describe it yet I used to say I used to say I'm not manly and say and then qualify it by saying well I'm not traditional there's really two kinds of manly I'm not the traditional one I'm I'm like manly number two of like I'm not manly number one I know how to fix my car I'm manly number two I can beat up my mechanic but I can't, but for some it's reason, a good line. yeah, but it doesn't like, that's the only part I can't figure out. The meat is I can't fix my car. I can beat up the mechanic. I don't know how to, whatever the man, number one, man, number two. I don't like that because it's that simplistic. Now I'm, now I feel Jersey Shore guy, like a bro. Fucking. Yeah. So I have to figure out how to dress around it. So. And that's, uh, to me, that's the, the beauty of comedy is figuring out mm-hmm. how, and and that's actually like when we when I we talk about premises, mm-hmm. it's like it's tough because you really have to work that stuff out. And having just a premise is like almost like having nothing until you actually mm-hmm. work out the rest of the bit and make it, you know, it's, give it the window it needs. It's given me less respect for general people's opinions. Because I've never I, had it. Because I know <laughs> But you know how long it takes to get your actual thought out in yeah. your head. And so when you hear somebody who doesn't do this 
just spout something out, my first reaction is, oh, you don't know what you think about this. You have no idea what you think about this. I don't know what I think about something until I've thought about it and whittled it and changed it and crafted it dozens to hundreds of times. You, you think you know what, you know how you feel about this. You're not going to know how you think about this until you dissect it for another six months. And you need to, yeah, you need to cut it down. And research it. Research it. Try to figure it out because that's, that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to do to make a joke work. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about. Or to make it work the way you want it to. Because I've, you know, I've got jokes that work, but they're not saying it. They're not saying what I mean, or and you have to change it. Yeah, and so it's it's funny when you watch somebody do a joke for the first time, and then you you see it transform like six seven months later, and you know that they've been working on it for six or seven months, and it's like a one minute throwaway kind of thing, and it's like if you only knew how much time and thought went into that one minute, yep, that you may never even think about because it's. Because it's probably not the best, you know, it's not their closer. If you, it's just kind of filler stuff. But even the filler stuff takes forever. If you knew how happy they were when they figured out that filler. <laughs> they're like, this is what's going to do it for me. Yes, this is what's <laughs> going to have Tom Hanks play me in a movie. I'm going to feature at the bowling alley now. No longer the opener, baby. Oh, our life is sad. Here's, the, here's a premise that um, I wrote down that I don't know what to do with if anything, but I trend more in a liberal snowflakey direction politically, which is why they drive me crazier than the conservative because I, I want you them, identify. I want them to speak for me and they don't. <laughs> I just wrote down and this is pre scandal by the way. I wrote down in my phone liberals think the world world liberals think the world should be sh- liberals think the world should always be the first 40 seconds of the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh. Have you ever seen the Ellen show? This Where she's was, just like dancing for like nine minutes straight? She comes down the steps and she, and she's dancing to some bullshit generic upbeat song and then all of the women that Steve Harvey hasn't run over yet, <laughs> they get out and they're dancing too and there's just camel toes flopping in the wind <laughs> that everybody accepts. And they pretend it's diverse, but it's 98% white. White women. It's, and that's right. It's just all white women, but they, but they feel like they're being inclusive because there's an Italian with a suntan like four rows down and they're like, yay, yay. Look at all the diversity. Exactly right. And they do a little like they'll do a butt bump as they come like two steps down and then you take a step back up and everybody's everybody's happy. That's all I've got. (laughs) That's enough. But it made me laugh. It, it, It made me laugh to think of somebody feeling like and that's what life should be and anything that's not that is unacceptable and it's fascism and any other ism racism um it's it's everything wrong with the world if it's if you're not butt bumping and dancing up and down platform steps <laughs> vaguely like like uh what do they call that what do they call ah god damn i'm not even going to try the i'm not even going to try the word you know what's uh what's funny is I, do you ever realize something about yourself that you hate or not necessarily hate, but it's like, I am this and I hate this. And then I have this thing that conflicts with it. It's most of my day causes some dissidents. Um, I actually, I, I sent a text to one of my buddies and it was like, I figured out what my type is. 
Mm. My type is anybody who would who would shop at Home Goods at two o'clock on a Wednesday, right? Because it's like you go in there and it's like, whoa, where'd all these people come from? Like, where have they been hiding all this? And it's like, but you know who I also hate? Anybody who would be shopping at Home Goods at two o'clock on a Wednesday, which nice. is a bunch of yoga pants, bunch of like, it's just like I hate you guys, just, but also mm-hmm. I love you guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Like, it's a tough, it's brutal, man. It's a tough, and it's brutal because it conflicts with me. It's like, oh, I like you, but I, I, I hate that I'm you so, exist. I like you there, but not anywhere else. Not just any, stay out of my life. Not yeah, yeah. Please, <laughs> I can, I can deal with one. Yeah, I can deal with one, and that's it. Oh, jeez. So that's my. I think that may be the only premise it's that good. I have. What do you think about them tearing down Ellen? By the way, uh, I, I believe it, man. I believe everything. Like you I, think she's a monster? Yeah, of course. Uh, for one, I'm kind of okay with it because I, I feel like she was a good enough stand-up comic that she should have kept doing stand-up. And yep. I hate when I lose good stand-up she comics. She did though. She did it especially a year ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, but like, eh, it's like kind of like the new Seinfeld special. It's fine, right? But it's like, yeah. And I don't know how much of that is just you. Sep- you know, it's been so long since the stuff you love that it's like, well, they're not going to be that person anymore. Right. Um. But I think anytime we lose a good stand-up to other things, it it, it kind of irks me. Bothers you? Yeah, like it's like you know we lost Steve Harvey to yeah. Jeopardy or whatever he's doing now. It's a matter right? of time before they take him out. Yeah, everybody's gonna get canceled mm-hmm. at some point. It's like especially if you if you're especially if you're a comic, That's like if you if you've been successful because you've been a stand-up comic, there's a ton of dirt on you, and I don't mean dirt like you're a terrible person. I mean. You've done some stuff that, for at the time, was acceptable, and now is not, and now they're going to beat you over the head with and it. And that's the irony, is they're trying to cancel her in the spirit of wokeness when she was the pioneer of the actual movement. Like, this is, guess what, fuckers? This won't be the first time she's been canceled. She's been canceled before, and she was canceled because she told America she was gay. That's why she lost her show the first time. And then over the course of 25 fucking years, she built herself back up into being what she is now. And then someone goes, not gay enough. (laughs) (laughs) But what I will say, what I will say is that I feel like her being gay has nothing to do with this because it's the way she treats people. And what I'm saying is I don't think she treats people. I don't I bet she doesn't treat people badly. She just doesn't treat everybody like uh, like the like, first ninety seconds of her like show, like fucking Andy uh, Andy Griffin or whatever his name is. Like, like yeah, that's right, like the first forty seconds. Yeah, and that's all the liberal side they want that first forty seconds, and that's it. Like they like conservatives hated Barack Obama. Wonder why? For a lot of them, it's yeah. pretty clear to see why. But conservatives hated Barack Obama. So what they did was they spent. F- the last six years working to get working to elect a president um senators representatives judges appointed <sighs> and local regional state um appointees and elected officials to get these people into office that their entire goal would be to systematically dismantle everything that that man stood for created or put his name on all the way down to literally trying to scrap universal health care 
just to reinstate universal health care yeah. for the sole purpose of being able to s- not call it Obamacare, Obamacare, call it anything but that O'Care. Liberals hate Donald Trump and their big move has been to cancel every one of their own candidates and the Ellen DeGeneres show. She had the Dell DeGeneres show. We got rid of Ellen, guys. We did it. We did it. Good She's job. Gone. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> I think, though, the way you treat people, and, and I can never... I don't know what happened at the Ellen Show. Obviously, I'm I'm not affiliated with the Ellen Show. Just for those who thought I might be, mm-hmm. um, but I think the way you treat people when you have success is really important to me. Like I I judge a lot of people by how they treat waiters, how they treat waitresses, how sure. they treat janitors, how you treat. Because I, in reality, I uh, associate more with the waiters and janitors of the me world too. than I do you, successful person. Yeah, like I. I feel like I can have a conversation with people I am more economically um, related to yeah, or have the same upbringing as or have the same kind of scar tissue as. And anytime anybody treats anybody in the service industry like shit, which let's face it, if you're working backstage and at the Ellen show, you're probably closer to what you and I are right now, which Mm -hmm. is somebody trying to make something else, somebody trying to be in the entertainment industry, somebody just trying to make it. Right. If you treat those people like shit, I have absolutely no respect for you, period. None. I completely agree with that. But. (laughs) I do. But here's my theory on what's happening. I completely agree with everything you just said, and I feel exactly exactly that way. But as as a doer and maker of things... Nowhere near on the same scale. I know what people, I know what people sometimes expect of you, and people who are preoccupied with only themselves neglect on the big picture as a whole that I'm responsible for. Like I've been running a nothing, let's a nothing show, for four or five years now. With anywhere from, let's say, let's say I've had, let's say I've had three hundred different people on my stage. Easily. 110 of them have a story about me being a prick if you ask them. That's yeah, true. And for I'm a, one. A, right. <laughs> you, you, you more, 108 of them, I've got a story to tell you why I wasn't being a prick, why they were being self-absorbed or taking liberties or not... Not respecting. Not respecting or contributing because I'm responsible for this thing going well and you focusing on only you and your part in it is trying to, is throwing a monkey wrench not not only into what I'm trying to do, but everyone else around you who's relying on this going as well too. But because you're only thinking about you, you think I'm being a cocksucker right now. Um, The answer may be somewhere in the middle. But I, I just I know how many stories of that I have where someone tells me two years from now uh, what sounds like a monster story about me. And when I hear it, I go, oh, no, that's not what happened. I remember <laughs> I remember exa- I remember exactly what happened. And I probably could have taken a deep breath and handled it better. But I know exactly why I did what I did. And I can tell you. Yeah, I know the flip side to that story. <laughs> yeah, I know. And there's I, always a flip side. You're right. There is always a flip side. And her name is on that show. So I don't think that Ellen is going into that place and going, Kate, hey, fuck you, caterer. Um, uh, don't talk to me, caterer. But my guess is, or don't talk to me, intern, or whatever it is. But my guess is somebody there is responsible to, 
do something and she's got a million things going on and they're either not holding up their end of the bargain or they're only thinking about their own role in it. And she's like, hey, warm up guy, go fuck yourself. All right. We've got 300 people on staff and they all matter and they've all got to have jobs. And so and I could see a lot of that happening. I could see that. I could see that over the course. I think that show has been going on like 15 years. Yeah. And and I think it's like you said, it's somewhere in the middle. I think it's it's. I don't think there's. It's all truth. Yeah. Um. And I I have a tendency to side with the people I feel are being are the victims. Right. Uh. But you're right. There. There's a lot of responsibility with having your name on something and having the true the uh the weight of having 300 staff people who you know who who are your writers who are all, yeah. all these things who need you to do well at all times. Yeah. Uh. It's like being head of household. Right. It's like. Yeah, you, you, sometimes you're going to be a dick. But yeah. guess what? You have to make sure everything runs perfectly. So I understand that. Yeah. I, I get that aspect of it. Yeah. It's tough. I agree. But I, I, I will say, upon further thought, I have seen video like video bits that she's put on the show, and I've been like, ooh, she seems like an asshole to work with. Um, she does this bit where she goes around and scares people in the office. Have you ever seen that? No. I've never watched Ellen. <laughs> I saw this like two years ago. She's like, oh, I like to scare people in the office. And it's it's her. It's not her like being cute. It was her. Like, somebody's walking down the hallway and she jumps out of an office and screams in their face. Or, or like they're typing out something at their cubicle. And she pops over the cubicle and yells in the middle of their face. And it's like, what are you going to do? And it's, some of them were Ellen. like crying. And she's like, ah, I got him. Got him. I, I, You've I been do, punked. I do remember watching that and being like, that does not like, I know this is being played off as it's fun. That does not seem like a fun. Environment. But do you also think that sometimes you can be separated from the kind of power that you have when you have that much power? Meaning like, do you forget that people are just naturally probably going to be afraid of you or afraid to upset you because the kind of power that you have. And so that it just brings about like an innate fear that if I say something, they're going to chew my head off or I'm afraid to make a mistake. Good point. Um, so good point. I think just by, you know, it's going to happen. Right. And so, to some degree you under, you've taken on that responsibility. It's your job to try to manage it. That's a good point. Like I, when I go for a jog, you said that you've been running a lot more recently, five miles a day, which is pretty beastly. Yeah. But when I pretty go cool. for a jog, this is a very nice neighborhood and I'm, um, not a, the nicest looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I'm running through the neighborhood and I see uh, I see a woman coming the other way, the first thing I do as soon as there are no cars in the area is I leave the sidewalk and I run into the middle of the road so that I'm 45 feet away. Um, and me, because I know I'm not going to do anything, but uh, for her side, she doesn't know me and there's a potential for threat there so what i do is i wait until i'm in eye shot too i wait till she can see me and as soon and i just really slowly veer all the way out into the middle of the road so that she know like she knows i am way away from her and i'm moving away in that direction like i'm not over here and maybe i'm going to dart towards her i saw her see me and then i moved away of like i'm going to take this extra step to not be threatening. Maybe that's what Ellen should do. And that's what, it, that's what it should be. She, she should take to the cross extra the street. step. She, she should, should cross the street. She should cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
every time her interns walk in the building. It's just sometimes you become so powerful and you're such a name that it's just intimidating. Like if I if I were to get cold tomorrow and somebody said, Hey, do you wanna open up for uh Dave Chappelle? Do you wanna open up for, you know, one of your your idols? The scare isn't in the audience. Been in front of a ton of audiences. That's not the scare. The scare is you're opening up for yeah. X, right? That's the scare. Yep. And it's like, and it shouldn't be, and they didn't do anything to nope. to make you afraid, right? Nope. It's just a simple fact that you feel extra pressure yep. because of who they are. And as much as you want to say you'll be normal, you won't be. You won't be. You won't be. No, of course not. It's like, where do I put my hands? What do I do? Like, it's weird. Yep. You're doing an impersonation of yourself. Yeah. You, you think you're going to be, no- even if you're not scared, even if you're... Like around people, I don't even know if you want to call them celebrities because they're comedians, but they're celebrity comedians. So around those celebrity comedians, I don't have a thing at all, at all, Mo- all, all nearly all the time. But when Dave Attell came to Tembler, I was weird. And I, but I wasn't nervous. I didn't feel nervous of like, oh my God, that's Dave Attell. I got to make a good impression. But I was talking to Dave Attell and I heard myself speaking, and my inner monologue was going, why are you saying that? Yep. Why are you saying that? So he had an effect on you. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't do anything for that. I, and he, he seemed like he knew that, that people act weird, or uncontrollably act weird around him because he did these little things to try to diffuse it. But while I was talking, again, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I can't mess this up. But I just started talking. And I was like, huh, that's not... That's why would I say that? Yeah, that's and, not And me. immediately, immediately it was because it's like talking to your TV. Yeah. First time I saw that guy, I was 11 years old and now I'm 32. And gosh, it's crazy. And he's asking me um, if I want to take a walk outside just to chat about the Like the surroundings before this. And, and I'm and then and then I'm saying things and I'm like, fuck, he's not going to like that. Like, why would I say it like that? <laughs> like I don't even feel I don't even feel that way, but no, I know his resume and his credentials. Like I was talking about, uh, I was talking about Trevor Dustin, and I was talking about his act. Uh, I was just talking about he went up in front of a crowd here because Dave was talking about like what works and what doesn't, yeah. what makes the crowd clam up, and this and that. And I was talking about something about that Trevor is a he's a Marine veteran, and he was telling a joke about the military, but it wasn't it like it wasn't where you would expect it to go. And the crowd tightened up for a second. And, and the way I was explaining it, I was like, he does USO shows. I'm explaining this in a way that I don't mean. And, I, and he's not going to like the way that this is sounding. Yeah. Fu- and, and now it's just that instead of me saying whatever I meant to say. So then I keep saying shit wrong. Disaster. Yeah, exactly. D- disaster. And it's like he it's just like it's just because of the power that they have by being them. Even a non-celebrity like comedian that's big kyle canane remember when he did rocket shop yeah i was i i did that show and afterwards everybody's standing in a circle and they do like a parade to blow kyle canane basically yeah. the dudes the dude yeah of course doing the a dude. parade to blow kyle canane and we're standing in a circle and i'm standing like cat across but diagonally from him and he grabs my attention and starts asking me questions about my act like he heard parts of my joke and he's like what like where did that come he's just asking me out of nowhere and I didn't expect him to talk to me, and I kind of shell like shell away from the parade anyway. So I I, ju- I answered him. I gave him like a four word answer, and just shut it down. And he just kind of looked at me, and he's like, 
oh okay um and then he just stood like he stood <laughs> and no one really no one else really had anything for him except to tell him that he was awesome and i was the person he wanted to talk to about comedy yeah and i just didn't know i didn't want to be a dick sucker but i also i it, fucked up there's no I fucked yeah up. yeah there's no win and he just looked and he goes he's like all right you know what i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna run guys i'm gonna get out of here and and i watched him walk out and i was like fuck <laughs> fuck i could have just been his opener or something you yeah know, definitely not but then i was like he was asking me about the balls yeah about he, the thing i made he was asking me about my jokes the voice of Comedy Central was just asking me about when into, what went into one of my jokes. And I was like, ah, oh, you know how it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I miss it, though. I, I miss I it. I very man. much miss it. Have you yeah. ever, you did a, when, when you did the Steve Trevino show, did you have those two where you're like, ah, oh, God damn it. Not necessarily because, you know, Steve Trevino isn't necessarily, I mean, Super funny guy, but he fills two thousand seats. He, he fills the seats, but it wasn't. It, it, I think it's different when it's somebody that you either grew up watching, yeah, or that you still watch. And Steve's super funny, but it's not like I grew up watching Steve, right? Like you know, if it were George Lopez or I, or you know something like that, where it's like I, I, you know, regardless of how I feel about him right now, it would still be like, oh, it's George Lopez, yes, right? Um, or even like. I didn't have the history with Steve to even admire his work. I just, kn- <laughs> I just knew he could work. Yeah, yeah. I knew he could work a room. I knew he could fill a room. Yeah. And I knew he was a, a damn good comic. And, you know, I, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But I, so he didn't make me feel nervous. It was more like, I felt like more like he was trying to be an expert that he's still trying to figure out oh, how to be an expert. I see. So he's like giving me advice. Uh, but at the same time, I can tell he's like just trying to figure out how to give advice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like those things. It's like the very early stamps of what he's going to become more so than, you know, him making me nervous because he's Steve Trevino. Do you ever have somebody who's not famous, like a not famous or big time whatever that still makes you feel that way or react that way? Uh, I can't say that there is not anybody I've worked with more recently. I mean, there's people I love to watch, but I can't say that they make me nervous or make me. I agree. And that's my theory. Like people always say when you look at the big time famous or whatever, people will always say after they've gotten famous, after they've gotten famous. Oh, you knew you just knew when you met them, they walked in a room and everything just. Oh, yeah. Gravitated (laughs) to them. My theory is that's complete bullshit. Of course it is complete that's bullshit. not real no that never happens people invent that shit after it happens no it's what happened when you got off stage yeah that's more important like did everybody love you did it now i can see i've seen gravitation afterwards right like and not me as a comic i don't i just don't i'll hang out with you after this whole pony show is over but i, I just, mean yeah. i don't gravitate oh my gosh I mean, even as a personality, it was like someone walked in the room and they just had an aura about them. I've never... How often is the person with the most personality in the room the funniest comic? Very seldom. That's for sure. But I've never even met somebody that just had an aura about them. It's what you know. It's what you know them from. Yep. Or the... Yeah. Yeah. No auras. We got no auras. Come on. No auras. No auras. That's not a thing. No auras. That's going to be the name. They lit up the room. I didn't. We've already been at it for an hour and a half, so that's good for me. Do Do you... have anything else 
It's good. This watch, Saturday. This Saturday, watch it. It should be published by Sunday, Monday. First set of episodes. Losers bracket. Losers Check it bracket. out. And then Monday or Tuesday, we'll probably have a couple quick hitter clips out. On a YouTube page that we will have to set up. I'll make over the weekend. <laughs> and we'll have 13 followers. Yes, sir. Thank oh, you, sir.